You're listening to Perry Noble's Thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. For daily insight, please check out perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the September 2011 edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name is Shane. I'll be our host today, and we've got a a different kind of podcast uh, today that we'll get to in just a minute. Uh, but what we, what I want to do for just a second is just say, hey, wasn't NLC 2011 awesome? believable. Uh, without a doubt, it was probably, well, I won't even say probably. I don't want to be humble. It was the best conference. It was the best conference ever. That was that ever was. Period. And we are sorry if you were not here. If you were here, you know that it was, and we're sorry if you missed it, and we will do it again in 2012. So go ahead and start making your plans to set aside uh, the paltry sum of whatever we decide to charge. One million dollars. <laughs> so that you can be here next September. We don't know the date yet, nor the speakers, but it will be awesome again. So just know it's coming. But in all seriousness, um, we do have a couple things coming up. Let me mention Unleash really quickly. Uh, since we opened up signups at NLC, I think we've got nearly 500 people have already signed up yep. for Unleash 2011. And so you guys... 2012. That's 2011. Right, 2011, we've what already year done is it. it. Crap, I don't even know what year it is. It doesn't matter. The next one, uh, Lord willing, of course, um, will be in 2012. And so we've already got 500 people who have signed up. It's $49, unleash.cc. Uh, you need to be there. So don't miss out on that. But what I want to give you a chance to talk about, Perry, is something very different uh, that we, something we've never done before, but something that's. Uh, Big time on your heart. It's a, a conference or a workshop, actually, a one-day workshop we're calling Reawaken. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, if you'll go to www.unleash.cc, you'll see this on our page there. It's a, it's not a conference. It's more of a um, workshop slash conversation called Reawaken. Um, at the end of 2007 until this past January, I really wrestled, struggled with depression, and it was dark. And one of the things I noticed in going through that time and talking to some pastors and church leaders is a lot of people go through really dark times, but nobody really wants to talk about it because it's not the, it's not the popular thing at conferences that people want to talk about. And, you know, Shane, God taught me some stuff in that time period. I feel like I learned. I feel like I'm still learning. And, man, I, you know, I'm reading statistics like 90% of pastors and church leaders that start in the ministry do not retire from it. There's burnout, there's fatigue, there's people that want to quit. Um, I think it's like 80% of spouses of ministers say that they wish their husbands would have chosen another profession. Um, it takes a toll on a family, it takes a toll on a person, and I just believe that that's not what God had in mind when he called us. Um, I don't think he called us to that, I think he called us to greater things. And so we're going to do this thing called Reawaken. Um, it's myself uh, and Dr. John Walker. John is the counselor that I saw during this time. You've met him. You know he's mm-hmm. a great man of God. But um, John is a licensed clinical psychologist, and he's also planted a, planted churches. He's, he's served in every minister role possible. So he's not just a pastor, and he's not just a psychologist. He's a psychologist slash pastor. And uh He's going to be doing a couple sessions. I'm going to be doing a couple sessions, and it's going to be a one-day thing. And the whole goal is to be like, hey, guys, let's get healthy. Because I believe I believe that the church's health is predicated on the senior pastor's health. I really do. And I believe that the senior pastor's family, it, it, it's going to be healthy if the pastor is healthy. Mm-hmm. I, I believe there's a lot at stake. And, man, I could talk the whole podcast about this. And so I'm just going to say it's going to be an amazing, amazing day 
It's uh, and go to unleash.cc. Look at reawaken and uh, let's get this done because it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, well, let me just mention again that's Thursday, December the first. It's one hundred and twenty nine dollars, and this is targeted primarily to senior pastors, but it's open to to any leader, yes. any any position. And the other thing, Perry, I think you wanted uh, us to mention is that if the senior pastor can bring their wives, that that that's a good idea. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. If the senior pastor can bring um, his wife, it, it, it's just gonna it's just gonna help. It really is going to help. Well, I uh, hope you guys will take note of Unleash and Reawaken um, for the, the events upcoming at New Spring Church. So we're excited about those. But today, uh, I thought we'd do something a little different. Uh, we're going to do something I'm just going to call Quick Hits with Perry Noble. Uh, as we were considering <coughs> what... <laughs> that was sorry. your sound effect. That, that was good, wasn't that it? That was a pretty good sound I effect. Know, I mean, it's all right. Um, but... Uh, what I thought we would do, or actually, I should say, when we were thinking about what uh, topic to cover in today's podcast, I came across an interesting blog post by Michael Hyatt, who is the uh, head dude over at Thomas Nelson Publishing, and he was asked by a lot of leaders, you know, what do you do, what should I ask when I meet with somebody? And he had the top 20 questions that uh, someone should ask if they get a chance to meet with a leader. And I know so many of our listeners, period, would love to sit down with you one-on-one, but just as things have it, your time is limited, and people are all over the country, but we have this time right now, I could actually ask you those questions for them. Let's do it. And you could uh, respond. And the thing that our listeners need to know is that Perry has not seen these questions until about three seconds ago. I'm just now looking at them. And so there's 20 of them, and we're going to go through them quickly. And I would ask this. And this podcast is going to take four <laughs> hours. It'll take 17 hours, but it's okay, <laughs> because y'all love us. Um, but uh, one thing I wanted to mention is if any of these topics... Uh, or any of these questions we hit uh, strikes a nerve and you want more information on it, we'd love to hear from you at uh, hello. Just email us at hello at newspring.cc. Put in the subject line, uh, the leadership podcast, and let us know what you think uh, about any of these that you might want more information on. So with that, Perry, I'm going to ask you the first question. You ready? Let's do it. All right. Can you name a person? Question number one, can you name a person who has had a tremendous impact on you as a leader? Jesus. <laughs> I, I'm going to go ahead and exclude Jesus. Okay. Let's go with somebody that's not eternal. I was just really excited about that one. Um, may, maybe someone who has been a mentor to you, uh, why and how did this person impact your life? Uh, I think one of the, you know, you know Shane, there's been several. Um, there's there's my pastor, Danny Gray. There's um, my former youth pastor, Lynn Harper. There's um, uh, there's Bill Rigsby. It was a pastor that I served under for six years, and and these have been some great men of God that taught me so much. I, I think um, the two, if I could say two, the two most influential people in my life over the past five years have been Andy Stanley and Craig Rochelle. Um, not not just from a um, friendship standpoint, but I've read what they've written. Um, you know, you can be mentored by any leader in the world. You just read their blog, you follow them on Twitter, you read their books, you, I mean, you don't have to sit down with them face to face. And I would say that Andy Stanley and Craig Rochelle um, have been two of the most influential people in my life, simply because they, they, they encourage me to follow Jesus and lead the church. Um, those are the, I just see those men loving Jesus, I see them loving their wives loving their kids. Craig's, Craig's got a lot of kids to love, mm -hmm. but um, the, the, I would say those are the two two of the most influential people in my life. Well, question number two is, what are the most important decisions you make as a leader of your organization? Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I think that um, 
here's what I think about important decisions. I think most important decisions that leaders make are not planned. Like a leader does not wake up and say, today I will make important decisions. <laughs> um, it's one of those things you're walking down the hall. Somebody says, hey, this just happened. What do we do? Um, leadership is basically con- controlling chaos. And, you know, so that would be my answer is the most important decisions that um, I make as a leader, honestly, I don't think we'll ever even recognize that they were the most important decisions until 10 years from now. Because what you might think is an average, just ordinary daily decision could turn out to be the most important decision ever in your organization. So that's why we, um, and I mean, you've been in the room when we talk about this, we, you can't ever take any decision lightly as a leader. Because if you do, there will be... A, Pretty soon you won't be the leader anymore. That's a good answer. Number three, I thought this was an interesting question. As as we'll just personalize it. As New Spring gets larger, there's a tendency uh, for the institution to dampen the inspiration. Uh, how do you keep this from happening? Um, it goes by division. Um, it it really does. And, and you know nobody nobody enjoys the the details and the processes less than me. I mean, you, you. I mean, good gosh, man. I. You know, okay, why do we have to do this and what? What? But certain things are um, necessary. Like you have to have purchase orders, or you have to have an accounting system, or you have to have a phone system. Like, like as an organization grows, things are, in some ways, going to become um, a lot more complex. Just remember that the systems exist to serve the organization. The organization does not exist to serve the systems. And if the systems are not serving the organization, it's okay to change the systems. The systems and the Word of God are not on equal ground. So that's, that's what I would say is we understand very clearly the systems serve us. We don't serve the systems. All right, question number four. How do you encourage creative thinking uh, at New Spring? We smoke weed. Right, I'm just qu- kidding. Question um, number five. Oh. <laughs> No, you're not uh, supposed to tell people. Okay, that. I'm sorry. Smoking pot's a sin. You shouldn't do it. Um, you, you know, I I just try to ask a lot of questions and not give a lot of answers because what I've discovered is that if you're in a meeting, uh, a creative meeting, and you start giving all the answers, pretty soon all the creative people won't give any answers. Mm-hmm. So, the best way to lead a creative meeting is ask questions, and when somebody says something. Don't roll your eyes because while it may be the dumbest idea that's ever been articulated by a human being and you begin to pray for God to have mercy on their soul for saying such a thing, it might lead someone else in the room to say something that is unbelievably insightful. Mm-hmm. So ask the questions and just shut up. That's that's what I do. And, and question 4B, I'm going to add one here, uh, is... Uh, what I heard you say, though, you you make it a point to have environments where you can ask questions. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You got to bring people in the room. You got to shut the door. You got to ask questions, and you got to be secure enough that if somebody thinks your idea is the leader is dumb, you got you you, <laughs> you can't rebuke them in the room because if you do, then that person never speaks again at the table out loud their honest opinion. They become the person that tells you that you look great, even though the emperor has on no clothes. Question number five is similar, uh, but where do great ideas come from in our organization? Our people, hands down. Our people, our staff, um, and our volunteers, our bought-in volunteers. We get the greatest ideas that we implement from people. If I have to come up with all the ideas, I have a horrible team of people around me. If you're the leader in your organization or your church and you're the idea factory, 
and you're coming up with all the ideas, one or two things are true about you. Number one, you're very, very, very insecure. Or number two, you have taught your people that you will do the work and they don't have to think. And you got to quit both of those. Which makes for an extraordinarily tired person. Oh my gosh, it's awful. Question number six, which is most important to New Spring? Our mission, core values, or vision? See, that is an interesting question. I looked at that a while ago, so and I went, I, but I think they're all tied together. Um, boy, there's the political answer, isn't it? Uh, actually, no Jim. waffling allowed here. No, no, I really do believe because our core values and our mission are really tied together, and our vision is a direct reflection of our core values. So, man, I would, I would say for us, they all interchange. I, it might not be that way for, for everybody. I mean, I know people that have a vision statement. I know people that have a mission statement and I know people that have a core value statement, which to me, that's really complex. Yeah. It seems uh, like the most, what you're saying is that new spring, we just try to keep it simple. Like yes. all those things are basically the same thing. Yes, absolutely. We try our best to keep it simple. Question number seven, how do you or other leaders uh, at new spring communicate the core values? Um, repetition. There, the, one of the most frustrating things to a leader is, and Shane, you'll know this, I'll do a Vision Sunday. Um, I've been doing this now for 11 years since we started the church, and I'll do a Vision Sunday, and I'll cast vision and declare our core values, and people will come up to me going, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. Oh, my gosh, I'm so on fire. And I'm like, I said the same thing last year. I mean, I, I, it, nothing's changed. But one of the things that, that we've understood is that, you know, we think that people think like leaders, if they're not careful, they think that people think like they think. Mm -hmm. And reality is this, especially if you're a church leader, um, you get done with church on Sunday, you go home and you get up Monday morning and Sunday's coming. So you're thinking about Sunday and you're thinking about what you got to do and you're thinking about this and you got to think about that. Okay, here's reality. 95% of your church, when they get out of bed on Monday morning, they're not thinking about Sunday. They're thinking about I got to get to work on time and traffic's going to be bad and I got to get the kids to school and oh my gosh, we don't have any milk for the cereal and I need to shave this morning. And that's what they're thinking about. So they're naturally not going to know as much about the organization as we know. And that's not because of their ignorance. That's simply because we live in that world and they don't. So repetition over and over and over again with the core values. And just about the time you're getting sick of it, your people are finally getting it. This next question, uh, number eight, reminds me of a all-staff meeting we had recently, and just I'll just throw a little plug in for Jeff Henderson. Oh, he's awesome. Uh, from North Point Church. He's actually the campus pastor of the Startup Gwinnett Church. If you're out there and you have a church and, and it has a staff, you should have Jeff come in and uh, do a staff uh, day for you guys. Or you could go on the northpoint.org website, um, and, and they got resources for leaders, and you can go to their drive conference. That's right. And, Download the talk that Jeff Henderson did at the Drive Conference. It would be worth your time. I don't even know how much it is. Um, it, it doesn't it, matter. It, what it doesn't it matter if it's hundred dollars. Do it. Jeff Henderson's talk at the Drive Conference is one of the best leadership talks I've ever heard. And if you don't do it right now, God is going to kill your dog. Major fail. <laughs> All right. So that's not. A, I'm sorry. Back to our questions. So how do you encourage? Not just you, Perry, but how do you encourage the rest of us to communicate the core values? Um, repetition, over and over and over again. Vision is communicated from the stage, but a, an organization or a church really begins to thrive when vision is 
communicated in phone calls. Vision is communicated in handwritten thank you notes. Vision is communicated over lunch, over some lunch meetings, over some supper meetings. Vision is communicated over and over and over again. So not only do I communicate it from stage, but I encourage and empower our staff and our volunteers to, hey, you know what? Yeah, champion this vision. Saved people, serve people. You know, found people, find people. We're always saying things like that around here. And our people, listen, when your church is starting to get accused of sounding like a cult, all that normally means is your people are owning the vision. Because right. a lot of churches all over the place, if you ask them what's the vision of your church or what's the core values, people can't tell you. They, they can't tell you. And so there's a lot of division in churches. But when a church begins to get on the same page, um, especially church people aren't used to that, so they'll call you a cult. So if people are calling your church a cult, it simply means... Your people are saying the same things about the vision, and you're actually on mission with Jesus, and so I would I would actually embrace that. That's good. Question number nine. Unless you're drinking Kool-Aid and wearing, you know, really strong. Maybe one day we I mean, could release our Kool-Aid I, formula. I don't It's incredible. Who knows? Question number nine. Do you set aside specific time to cast vision uh, to our staff and other leaders? Yes. We have an all-staff meeting about ten times a year where I'll get the whole staff in. We bring everybody in from all the campuses. I'll do a leadership talk. I'll cast some vision. I'll let some people know what's coming up. And about probably, what would you say, two or three times a year we do in it We do it in the in the sanctuary? Mm-hmm. Would you say that? Yeah. When you say in the sanctuary, you mean with like worship and uh, stuff like that? Oh, yeah, yeah, like on a Sunday. On a oh, Sunday, we'll yeah, do a big yeah. vision. We'll you. cast vision yes. on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, where we bring the whole church in. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I'm with you now. Uh, question number 10, how do you ensure uh, that New Spring and its activities are aligned with our vision or core values? You know, we just, we just kind of monitor it. And, and let me say this, I don't, I don't monitor it. If you're a leader and you have to personally go around and monitor everything happening in your organization, um, here's the thing I know. Your organization is not as big as it could be or should be. And the limiting factor is you. Um, now, we do monitor it, but I have staff members. Um, I, I have volunteers that really go, I mean, if, if something is wrong, they know how to identify what is wrong, and they have the wisdom and the authority to turn around and make the right decision without having to run through me. Um, and so that, that's the best thing that I think a leader can do is encourage, equip, and empower the staff that he or she serves with to n- not only um, – watch and make sure the vision's happening, but if it's not, um, to go ahead and make the the change or the decision to put everything back on the right path. That's a good answer. I was also thinking, too, you could have somebody from outside your organization come in and ask uh, people from different ministry areas the same questions and just see how they answer. That would be amazing. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, question number 11, how do, how do we help new employees understand our culture? Um. Well, we're actually in a process of completely revamping this right now. We've got a process that we're going to be taking new employees through, an orientation process. Um, and so we really haven't done the best job here. Yeah, I think this is a place that's a challenge for a while. For but it, it is a challenge for us because one of the mistakes that we make is we assume that people coming into the organization know everything that we know, and they, they don't. Some of them might not even know the real history of our church. So we're in the process of developing a brand new system um, for brand for staff staff members coming in. Um, it's one of the things we haven't done well, but we're trying to do it better. 
I think one of the mistakes we made in that area too is we would get frustrated with them for not knowing it, but we hadn't really put anything in place to help them know. Absolutely, it. yeah. So that's that really not good. was on us. Uh, question number twelve: When faced with two equally qualified candidates, how do you determine whom to hire? Um, we have a Twinkie eating contest, and the guy that eats the or the girl that eats the most Twinkie. No, you know what, man? It really does come down to the Holy Spirit. And I know for some people that seems really mystical. And if that does, I would just encourage you to pick up your Bible and read it. In the book of Acts, everybody goes, we want to get back to Acts. And I think actually God wanted Acts to be the launching pad, not the, not the finish line. But in the book of Acts, just read or do a, do a Bible gateway search mm-hmm. um, for the, the, word, you know, the mention of the Holy Spirit and how much they were compelled by the Spirit controlled by the Spirit, led by the Spirit. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's all in the Bible. But for some reason, especially in America today, if you say the Holy Spirit, people look at you weird. Now, we could talk about the supernatural, you know, the, the whole Jacob Edward thing, and, you know, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Well, you know, well, the Holy Spirit, oh, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, you believe the guy's a freaking werewolf. So, I mean, you know, and we, we have a hard time distinguishing that. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit, is works so much in the scriptures, but I think we don't lean into him. It's not an it, it's a him, okay? Um, and so uh, that that's, I mean, a lot of times it just comes down to the, you know, some people would call it a gut check. I call it the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we spend too much time listening to the answers of interview questions instead of asking the God of the universe, is this the right person Absolutely. for this job? Absolutely, because anybody can fake an interview. Exactly. And to use your words, Perry, because you, you've trained us in this uh over the last couple of years, is we want to elevate anointing and calling over gifting and pedigree. Yeah, absolutely. When we're hiring people, so that goes back to what you were saying. Uh, question number thirteen: What is one characteristic that you believe every leader should possess? Servanthood. Jesus said, "If you want to be great, you got to be a servant." And I know a lot of guys out there that know how to be served but don't know how to serve, mm-hmm. and that's a problem because Jesus washed some feet. And so there's, a, you know, you got to be a servant leader. If, if you're not a servant, you're not a leader. You might be a dictator. You might be a rear end, but you're, you're not a leader. Hey, question 13B. So was that something you knew coming in as a church planner or something you learned over the last 11 years? You know what? I think it's a little bit of both because when I first started the church, I had no, um, I had no preconceived notions that anybody was going to serve me. Um, I... I set up the auditorium many times by myself. I set up the sound equipment. I would do, I mean, I, I did it. And so I know what it's like to unload a trailer. I know what it's like to, to show up and do a work day or whatever. I mean, I did that. And today, you know, I have a team and I've got assistants and, and things like that. But it's, it's still one of those things where I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it done. So, for example, um, and Shane, you're, you're very aware of this. We work um, as... As far as concepts go, we work several months ahead. And the reason why is I'm trying to serve the video team because I know people that say, well, I have a video team and we work week of. Well, that's why you, about every six months, somebody on your video team freaks out, you know, flames out, um, does something they weren't supposed to do because they're working 60 or 70 hours a week. And it just pisses me off when I see leaders go, um, you know, family's important, family's important. But what they're really saying is family's important for me not important for the video team because if I have a video idea on Thursday, 
they're going to spend the next 48 hours doing and editing the idea I had while I'm at home sitting on my butt with my family. Um, now, there are exceptions to that. We've pulled the trigger. A, probably we'd say about two or three times a year. There's a last-minute yeah, change. But for the most part, we are weeks and weeks and weeks ahead with our concepts and ideas so that um, the church is better served, um, the vision is better, better served. Every staff member is served. And I feel like that's, I mean, it's work for me mm-hmm. to stay that far ahead, but I feel like that's one of the, the ways that, um, that's one of the practical ways that I can serve today. That's a, good, that's a real good example. What do you, th- uh, question 14, what's the biggest challenge facing leaders today? Um, man, I, good gosh, there's so many. I, I would go back to, um, and I'm, yeah, I actually am trying to plug reawaken again. I think the biggest challenge that leaders face today is self leadership, because um, I can point out the problems in in our organization, and um, I can point out the problems in other people. I mean, that's that's pretty easy to see. Let me tell you, seventeen reasons you're jacked up. But um, it is hard to self leadership is the toughest, toughest challenge because what usually happens to me is I don't. I'll go and, go and 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 go until I can't go anymore, and then I'll lay on the couch for about a week, and then I'll go and go and go and go. And my counselor finally told me, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Like, why would you do that? That is completely stupid. Like, why not pace yourself? Why not enjoy life? And so I think one of the biggest challenges leaders face today is we keep telling ourselves this lie. It's a really busy season, and I'm incredibly swamped right now, but it's going to slow down. If you're leading something that's growing, it never slows down. And so that's why that was the whole vision behind Reawaken is I want to encourage guys um, and show guys, I think I think making it, I think doing ministry over the long haul is what God's called us to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and the reason we don't make it many times isn't because God isn't faithful. It's because we're not faithful to respond because we think if we slow down or if we take a break, if we catch our breath, some, that somehow that's sinful. And I'm actually reading, I just read through the Gospels, and once again, it just amazed me the number of times that the Bible says Jesus withdrew from the crowd. Like he's, you know, jumping in the boat, saying, Peter, get me out of here. I mean, you know, and he lands on the other side, and there's people there, but at least he had the boat ride, you know. Um, I just I just think that the, that's the biggest challenge for leaders today, and that's why we want to do uh, reawaken is just to show leaders, you know what? You can finish well, but it starts with the changes you've got to make today. That's good. That was another way. That's a good way to plug that thing. Wasn't it, it was. That could that have been a awesome. commercial. Good gosh. I'm just, I'm just about to be our next right promo. Um, question 15. Uh, this is similar, I guess, but what is one mistake you witness leaders making more frequently than others? Yeah, it's, it goes back to self leadership. They cannot lead themselves. They can't. And let me just say this. That was my problem for um, 10 years. I could not lead myself. And it, 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 listen, if you don't learn to lead yourself, eventually everybody in your family and everybody in your organization pays for it, especially if you're the senior leader. Everybody pays yep. when you drop this ball. The so way you can't big. drop it. The higher up in the organization, the bigger the weight. Yeah. Right? Like, if you're not the senior leader, but you're like, you have a department under you, if you have an unhealthy pace, every one of those guys are going to have an unhealthy pace. And so you, you've you got to get this whole self-leadership thing down. 
I'm taking interviews liberty and skipping number 16 because it's the same question. Uh, question number 17, can you explain the impact, if any, that social networking and the web has made on uh, your organization or you personally? Well, it's kind of interesting. We did a whole podcast on this when we did the That's criticism. Right. Was that last month we did the critic or two months ago? Uh, the the I don't even remember. It, Evolution of criticism yeah, was last month. That was last month. It was amazing. Um, the 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 impact social networking had. I mean, I can't. Can you think about how powerful the ministry of the Apostle Paul would have been if he had he had social networking? Um, it's amazing. But also on the flip side. I think they would have killed him a lot sooner. Yeah, if he didn't get distracted by it. it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, Paul couldn't write the book of 1 Corinthians today because he was tweeting. <laughs> um, so it's like, uh, yeah, he got stolen today. Not, not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the kind with rocks, not the uh -huh. other kind. Uh, I just, I, I think I think it's got a good side and, and a bad side. I think social media um, allows the church to get the message out quicker. Um, think about it, man. Twenty years ago, you couldn't send a mass text. You couldn't even send a mass email. I don't think you get a mass email. Today, you can you can communicate information so quickly because of social media. Social media, um, it, it allows people to feel, in some cases, more involved. Um, I think that's great. On the flip side, it can be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly distracting. And, uh, and so you've got to monitor it. It's like everything in moderation, social media. I know some, I know from personal experience and also other pastors and church leaders that probably aren't the best leader that they could be because they're so distracted by what people are saying to them and about them on social media. And they've traded in what my counselor calls um, God esteem for man esteem. And so if they're talking about being talked about good on social media, they feel good about themselves. And if they're being talked bad about, they feel bad about themselves. And they will spend hours looking on the web or their Facebook page or their Twitter account to try to figure out what people are saying to and about them and completely neglect, neglect the Word of God. So when you begin to let those who know you the least define you the most, you're in a lot of trouble. So that's what I would say. It can, it can be good, but it also has a dark side to it too. That's good. Question number 18. What are a few resources that you personally would recommend to someone looking to gain insight on becoming a better leader? Um, you, you know, of course, I mean, if I don't say the, the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. The Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, <laughs> but if I don't say the Bible, somebody uh, will yeah, email in going, you didn't say the Bible, and uh, I did, jerk. Um, I, I would say, honestly, anything written by John Maxwell is solid. Um, he's got a book out called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Unbelievable. He's got a book out called Leadership Gold. Unbelievable. Um, uh, the, the, the book, The Dark Side of Leadership. Who wrote that book? Somebody, somebody, somebody look that up for me because I have no idea. But it's a book called, you can go, mm -hmm. to, you can go to Amazon and it's just The Dark Side of Leadership. It is unbelievable. Case. Everybody needs to read it. Um, those, are, those are just some resources. Yep. PerryNoble.com is pretty awesome. That's good. Um, I, would, I would read that one too. Hey, listen, I've... I've I, uh, uh, I, I yeah, my I'm 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 going to Progressive Lenses tomorrow. Somebody just tell me that name. I don't even know where I'm looking. I don't even know where I'm looking Gary. right now. Huh? Gary McIntosh. Samuel Rima. Samuel Rima and Gary McIntosh. Yeah, there you go. 
So, Those guys. We should also mention, I mentioned the NLC, but I, I think probably the most effective and least expensive leadership um, uh, resources, the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. If you're not listening to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, you are so uncool. Yeah. That thing is amazing. It's like the opposite of this. It's like real refined and it's, they're sharp. It's very, you can tell Andy's actually thought about stuff. <laughs> he's godly. He's prayed about it. He's led by the Spirit. It's, it really is, in my opinion, the best leadership podcast yeah, out there. Totally agree. Totally agree. I'm just trying to be more like Andy. We he are. is, like, I'm JV right now. Anyway. Question number 19. What advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the very first time? Don't assume that people know what you know. Mm, that's good. Because that's the biggest. That's one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made as a leader. You I get just, frustrated when people don't do what you think they yeah. should do because... You cannot hold people accountable for unspoken, mm-hmm. unrealistic expectations. It is impossible. So if you get mad at somebody in your church or your organization for not doing something are saying something, but that has not been clearly articulated and communicated to them, it's not their fault. It's your fault. That's good. And question number 20, uh, what are you doing to ensure you continue to grow and develop as a leader? Um, I'm continually understanding that I do not have this figured out. Um, I'm trying to learn from everyone possible. Uh, and, and listen, I don't, uh, I don't care what brand of theology they have. I don't care if they're Reform. I don't care if they're Arminian. I don't care if they're Pentecostal. I don't care if they're Presbyterian. I don't, I don't care if they're Baptist. I don't care who they are. If they are doing something effective for the kingdom of God, I feel like I can learn something from them. And, and the problem in the body of Christ is we drew some, we drew some lines where we didn't need to draw mm-hmm. some lines. And, uh, man, I think that's just a mistake. I think if someone is leading a growing church, you know, Get past your very narrow view of God and figure out what they're doing right because they're doing something right. Um, you know, and it, listen, any fool can point out the 72 things that people do wrong. What are they doing right, and how can you implement that in your church or organization? That's good. Well, they've got a Michael Hyatt's got a bonus question here. So this goes to you, and I'm going to include that, Perry. When you sit down with somebody, what do you like to ask other leaders when you get a chance? Okay, let me tell you the question that I do not ask that seems to get asked all the time. I do not ask, uh, it, it, everybody asks this, and I think it's the dumbest question ever. Um, what's the biggest mistake you've ever made as a leader? Like, why, why do we ask that question? You know what? It sounds so humbling to ask and it's a dumb question because their mistake could have nothing to do with where you are if listen if they were running you know 7000 people and they made a mistake and you've got 72 people in your church you're not going to learn a lot now you could but i just think it's just one of those questions that when you're meeting with a leader it's almost if you'll think about it an attacking accusing question Leaders never feel built up and encouraged. Now, leaders are not afraid to talk about their mistakes. And if you meet with them for long enough, they will tell you about the mistakes they made. Not a problem. But I think that's the dumbest question ever. So uh, what do you like to ask other leaders when you get a chance? I I like to ask other leaders um, my my favorite question, and you got to be in the right setting to to ask this, but I like the the thing, what's the freshest thing you've learned um, 
lately in regards to leadership. Now, if I have a really good relationship with them, I'll, I will specifically say, what do you feel like the Lord is mm-hmm. doing in your life right now in regards to leadership? But I'm not going to roll up on somebody that I don't really know and, and pull out the God card because then that make I mean, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, I ask, what's the freshest thing that you've learned in, in regards to leadership? But if I know people, I'm like, man, tell me what God's doing in your life right now in regards to leadership. And that's usually where you get the most passionate response because they're just t- they're talking out of the overflow of their heart. Well, that's good. Well, Barry, I've enjoyed this uh, 20 fun. quick hit questions on uh, the September edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. So uh, thanks for joining us uh, today, and we'll see you next month. Bye.